and welcome to... You need to see this. Perfect. A weekly film podcast about filling the gaps in our collective cinematic experience. I'm Cozy Orlin, and I'm joined by my musical co-host... Lucet Tomlin Brenner. Sing it, drop that knowledge. We're comedians, writers, filmmakers, and complete psychopaths. Every episode, one of us tries to convince the other and the audience that they need to see a specific film. And we do it all with zero spoilers whatsoever, not even musical ones. No spoilers. <laughs> oh my god. What if I was like, this is the musical episode of You Need to See This. So we're doing the oh whole thing by song. I'm <laughs> so ready for that. Oh, that's beautiful. We that need to, would we be so irritating. <laughs> If we can pick a musical that works for that, I bet we could find a way to make it work. Whew, all right, a concept. <laughs> we'll I like see. future options. We'll put it down as a maybe. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to hear what film we're doing today because I have no idea. Excellent, perfect. Oh my god, idea. I um <laughs> that, before we even get into it, I should I should say that um uh, when I was a kid, I used to correct people when they said it that way. Uh, my my mom's best friend, Tina, uh, used to say idea instead of idea, because I think she was like a, a, a Boston-y person, a New York person, I think, somewhere in there, some kind of accent creating for that. And so I was like, no, it's idea. <laughs> I bet she loved being corrected by a child. I'm sure that was a wonderful and incredibly not annoying feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I have been watching Jaws uh, a lot this week because I'm working on a Jaws-centered project. And so I have like New England sort of speech patterns in my head right now. I love it. The more the better. Reminds me of childhood. Yeah, I love New England so much. And it's the it's the one place I have an intense, passionate crush on. So I... As it should be. Uh, but you know, the more I watch Jaws, the more I'm rooting for Jaws. Like, it's <laughs> kind of a sad story about a shark that gets blown up when it's just yeah, trying to live. I mean, I'm pretty much consistently rooting for sharks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just in yeah. general. The movie should be called People, and then the shark who's just trying to get a meal is trying to escape people with explosives. I I like that, but I'd be so worried for the shark all the time. <laughs> I know. It wouldn't be any different than Jaws. <laughs> uh, no, in Jaws, all I did was uh, sleep. Wow. Oh, that's right. We've had that conversation before. Well, unpopular opinion. I think that the final third of the movie is very slow until we go. It's popular on this podcast. I'll say that. (laughs) I love the beginning. I I love the characters, but they're on the boat for too long and there's not enough shark. I hate any movie where someone's in anything for too long. That's so annoying. I think the movie should, can be shorter by 20 minutes. Every movie can be better with 20 minutes shaved off of it. Yes, very, very, very much agree with that one. There's no question. Um, this one, honestly, I agree about. I agree even on this movie that we're going to talk about today. Oh my uh, God, what is it? Yeah. Uh, well, today's film happens to be the 2012 dark comedy Seven Psychopaths. And Luce, you need to see this. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen Seven Psychopaths. It's the same director as in Bruges, right? That is correct. It is written and directed by Irish-British playwright, screenwriter, producer, and director Martin McDonough. Yeah. All right, interesting. I 
when I hear Seven Psychopaths, I think of this giant ungodly billboard they had at Hollywood and Highland. And <laughs> it used to be on a route that I was taking regularly and I would be stopped at the light there and I'd just be staring at all of their faces. And I, I got like weirdly defensive about like, I'm not going to see you. Stop looking at me. Oh, I have experienced that myself many times where it's just sort of it's in your face all the time. And you're like, well, then fuck off. <laughs> yeah, the, the billboard situation in Los Angeles is really a problem. They're everywhere. And it's, um, it's frightening and overwhelming. And you don't realize how much you're really being advertised to until you go almost anywhere else. And you're like, wow, I haven't seen a billboard in 20 minutes. And it's very jarring. Good Lord. Yeah, they, they do become like weirdly ingrained into your daily schedule and they feel so big and insistent. Uh, we all develop these strange relationships with L.A. billboards. <laughs> oh, yes. They're uh, haunting me for sure. Except for I barely leave the house now. So I just see my own billboards, which are posters. And I like that. <laughs> oh, see, that's so much better. Yeah, I was walking near a bus stop the other day and I saw a bus ad for a new thing. And I went, holy shit, they're still advertising. <laughs> outside why <laughs> they're still doing this nobody cares yeah i was like who's outside looking at this shit anymore nobody Ugh. oh awful um no. well yeah so i remember when seven psychopaths came out i had just moved here and i oh. i thought it looked kind of cheesy and so i didn't i didn't see it and then i heard a bunch of people really liked it and i just never I think I was like, oh, a bunch of men shooting people. I've seen it. <laughs> yes. You know that's how I feel about so many movies, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm really interested in how this is a movie that you really love enough to talk about it. Yeah. See, th like that really keys into to a lot of the, of the themes of this movie, actually. And I'm excited to talk about my reasons uh, when we get to those because I'm glad you had that same impression. That's very interesting. Okay, Okay, good. perfect. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit of background first? I would love to do such a thing. Absolutely. Uh, this movie was written around, like, immediately after In Bruges uh, by Martin McDonough. It's one of the, I believe, only three feature-length films he's written. Uh, he also did a, a short way before that that everyone loved and I think got an Oscar or something. Um and so he did this one right after uh, In Bruges writing-wise, but waited a little bit to actually make it. Hmm, okay. And then he waited again uh, before doing Three Billboards because he is a chill guy who doesn't seem to give much of a fuck about money. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's maybe just doing well. Yeah, that's, I think it is, is he's doing well with plays and like, that's very rare. So I think he's he's very chill about it. And he very much is like, and I'm putting the art first, the writing comes first. I'm not doing shit for money. Mm, okay. He refuses to turn any of his plays into movies because they should be written as plays and they were intended to be plays. And I was like, all right, he's what about, a purist. What about Three Billboards though? I think that was a play. Uh, not to my knowledge, not to my knowledge. I may be wrong on that, but I was looking through the list of his plays that he had done and I don't believe that that was one. Then again, I was also looking at interviews that happened immediately after Seven Psychopaths. So I yeah. may be wrong. Also, I don't, maybe it wasn't, uh, his play or maybe that's a good call too. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Did you see that one? I did, and I liked it, but I know that people, that's not, I know people hate this movie. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who hate it for various reasons. I, people think that the, it seems like the argument is that people think that the shitty, uh, racist, abusive sheriff is um, sympathetic. And I right. don't believe that he is. So yeah, I think same. that's, the, so you saw it too? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it very I much. I also loved it. And I feel really self-conscious <laughs> about that because I know people have a different read on it and they're upset at it for the right reasons that like he's racist and the black characters aren't like flushed out characters and they're like these weird supports. But I yes. think he's supposed, I really like that it was showing racist cops, which are real. Like I, he seemed like I had a lot of acquaintances that I went to high school with that grew up to become cops and they really remind me of that character and I was like this is what living in a small town is like and yes. I thought it was a really great portrayal of that and the complexities of human nature and people who are racist like I don't feel bad for them I don't know I think no, it's weird in some movies it's like implied sympathy if you're following somebody but i don't think that's true i don't i don't think that's um i think it's like a little reductive at the same time i you know i would never be like oh black person who doesn't like this character you're wrong like right I absolutely i don't disagree with that reading or i'm not saying reductive like you're dumb and you haven't thought about it but i just i think that there is more to it but yeah, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to that one. When I was when I was getting this one prepared, I was like, I know that if I mention that one, we'll we'll sort of have to get into the criticism of that one a little bit. Oh no, and, and I get it anyways. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, was, I was expecting it and welcoming it because like it's a legit call and it's how I feel. Also, it's like I love it, but I but I definitely respect the uh, the viewpoints of people who who feel like on a racial level there are some definite issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I, just, I just love Frances McDormand so much in it, and she was such a fucking strong character, and she was amazing. Yeah, she was so interesting. I loved her character so much. Um, and we'll we'll maybe slightly get into that a little bit more later too. Cool. All right. Great. Wait, is she in Seven Psychopaths? No, she's not. But oh. there are things. There are things that connect all of these, all of the movies uh, that they have that he has done, which I probably won't get too into, but maybe I'll touch on a little. Hmm. Okay. Just a little bit. I guess it's that this wasn't a play, but this was like a situation that he based this screenplay on. Oh yeah, he he bases a lot of stuff on other on other things that he himself has done. Like there's a like one of the stories in this was a short story that he had written years before this, like years and years before this. Hmm. Okay. And it's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Oh my god, uh, this movie. Let's let's get into who it's starring. It's got Colin Farrell. It's got Sam Rockwell and Christopher Walken. All wonderful people. Woody Harrelson uh, is also a main character, and uh, it's also got Linda Bright Clay, who is very great in this. Michael Stuhlbarg is in it. Oh, Hi. What? <laughs> okay, I'm convinced. That's right. Episode over. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like Rockwell and Schulberg. There we go. <laughs> Those are my sweet spots. <laughs> it's also, I think, an '80s synth band. <laughs> ah, Turn it up. Yep. Uh, and uh, let's see. Gabori Sidibe is in this. Uh, Tom Waits is in this, and Harry Dean Stanton is in this as well. Oh wow. Okay. I'm. Yeah, it's got a big cast. 
Wow. Okay. I'm in, I'm into it so far. Sweet. Love that. Uh, let me give you a synopsis of this particular film, Seven Psychopaths. Uh, I wrote this one myself, uh, so it's very much in my voice uh, at parts. Uh, in Los Angeles, an Irish screenwriter named Marty, uh, Colin Farrell, gets caught in a fight between his dumb actor-slash-dog kidnapper friend, Sam Rockwell, and some kind of gangster criminal guy, Woody Harrelson. Uh, <laughs> during this, said screenwriter is writing a movie called Seven Psychopaths. <laughs> oh, so it's like a movie within a movie? It's very, it's very, very meta. I'll be talking about that later too. It's very meta. Oh, cool. Okay. I can dig that. Nice. Good, good, good. Uh, to be honest, also, this is, out of all of his movies, this is my least favorite Martin McDonough movie, but that's because I love In Bruges. I love Three Billboards and I like Seven Psychopaths. Oh, interesting. And I've already seen the other two. So this is the only yeah. one I haven't seen. That is exactly it. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, and Six Shooter, his short film. Yeah, I never saw I never saw the short. I, I I think I started watching it and got lazy, but I shouldn't have because I'm sure it was fucking great. Yeah, I think you can watch it on YouTube. It looks like the whole thing is on yeah. uh, 26 minutes. Uh, a friend of mine who is a director, uh, Ryan Turner, um, I believe sent it to me because he is another. He is a giant, a giant Martin McDonough fan. Wait, do you know? Major- do you know who's in it, Cozy? The I don't remember who's in it. Brendan Gleeson and his son, Donald oh, yeah. Gleeson. Yes, I do remember that now. They're wonderful people. Fr- oh. Friends of the podcast. <laughs> I, w- I would. That would make me so happy. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Good, good, good. Okay, so uh, movie within a movie. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that's the synopsis. Um, and are you ready for a bunch of reasons? Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear Sweet. Uh, I did seven today because it's seven psychopaths. <laughs> that is so cute. You know, I love a theme. Thank you. And I also made each one crazy. No, not, not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And each one I'm doing in pig Latin. <laughs> each one is impersonating another psychopath yeah sorry oh, you're being God. too creative now and i hate it <laughs> oh yeah you gotta strike it down sometimes it's just too much take it back right take it back a little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so these are my seven psychopath reasons um it, reason number one uh to see seven psychopaths if you've seen a mcdonough film or play you already have a sense of the dark comedy the violence and the dialogue in this movie it's uh, violent, confident, casual, funny, and at times very fascinating. Mm, okay. I do love dark comedy. Good, good, good. Because this is absolutely one of those. Um, and uh, I think he was describing it as a little less dark than uh, than uh, in Bruges and a little bit more like wacky on some level, a little mm. bit more uh, ridiculous. Okay. That's fun. I like wacky. I can get wacky. Cool, absolutely, and and never in a way where it's like too broad or, or or silly or unbelievable, which is the good part. It's believable. It's believably crazy. Yes, I that makes me think of like um, the Ice Harvest. With is that the one? That, is that the one I? Yes, I like that one a lot. Yes, good dark comedy. Ooh, very good dark. Yeah, comedy. where like things keep just getting worse and worse. Yeah, I need to rewatch that. Holy shit, it's been a while. Uh, the second one, the second reason for me is the cast. This is a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell plays a big fucking idiot in this movie, just like in Three Billboards. Not at all sympathetic. Um, 
it's very similar in that way. Like Woody Harrelson is a bad guy in, in this movie. And like, there's an Australian girlfriend in this movie. There are a lot of connections. Um, but yeah, not only am I a sucker for Sam Rockwell, Christopher Walken completely murders it in this movie. His character arc is amazing. And I don't want to even spoil it even slightly. But I will say that he is a religious dog kidnapper whose wife has cancer and is in the hospital. Like, that's how we start learning about him. Huh. Okay. Captivating. Yeah. It's it's really great just to see him in. Like, I, I like Christopher Walken, but I don't love him like a lot of people do. In this, he's real wonderful. I... I like Christopher Walken. I feel like if he's going to be in something, cool. I'm like, this will be good. But I don't feel like I have a drive towards him the way I would towards, say, Michael Schulberg. Yes, absolutely. I am that way, too, with Sam Rockwell. <laughs> and Sam Rockwell. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's maybe like Christopher Walken is a little played out in my mind, where I'm just like, I can't get excited about somebody who's like, everybody's constantly talking about. Oh, I relate to that so much. That's it's like, just like seeing those billboards in your faces all the time. Yeah, it says us being like teenage punk assholes. Like, sorry, the mainstream band? I don't think so. Yes, this is all of our roots. Also, the fact that we didn't really talk about three billboards while you were talking about the seven psychopaths billboard is weird. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Uh, it's because I just saw the one billboard and that was enough. Yeah, sometimes that's all it is. Um, uh, also for the cast, Tom Waits is excellent in this movie i i do love tom waits in a movie did you see the ballad of buster scruggs no i did not it was the most recent coen brothers movie it came out like uh almost two thanksgivings ago yeah i heard about that one you know i think for me any western style sounding thing i'm just like nah oh it is very funny and super dark and like it's excellent. It's an anthology of different fucked up, like odd Western tales that you've never heard before. Right. Ooh, where is that again? Is, is that, that is that a is that? A, it's a Netflix original. Oh, that's a Netflix one. That means I can watch it now. Yeah. Okay, maybe. I think you'd like it because a couple of the stories are pitch fucking black. It's just like, <laughs> oh dang, like borderline oh, conceptual horror in some ways, but not like scary horror. Um, and then some of them are like really funny and like a few of them are just strange. Um, and James Franco is in one of them and I hate James Franco to my very core, but good, the, good as well. You said the character that he plays and what happens to him is just like, it's so satisfying that the entire story is so good. So, um, <laughs> I highly recommend to everyone, but especially you, because I understand why Westerns would make you be like, Ooh, but I promise you, you would love it. Nice. And Tom, Waits, Very cool. Tom Waits is in one of the stories, which is why I brought it up. That's what I figured. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah, I feel like Waits gets cast a lot in like cool stunt casting as like weird, fun characters. Yes. He, and he does a great job. Well, yeah, he's an old, like a grizzled old prospector in this movie, which is so <laughs> perfect. Great. He is a psychopath in this who holds a rabbit all the time. Oh, does the rabbit live? Uh, yes, the rabbit is 100% alive, and he loves it very much. <sighs> okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> I think the, the, the reason that he agreed to make this movie is because he gets to play a guy who holds a rabbit and carries a gun, and, like, that's all he needed to know about it, like, not even read the script. <laughs> yeah, that would do it for me if somebody was like, I'm thinking of you for this character. I'd be like, fantastic. Can I put the rabbit in a small dress? 
<laughs> I know. A little like, a killer, like a perfect bow. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I would love that. I am ready for that rabid cotillion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I took a sip uh, of water when you said that, and I just like... <laughs> The rabbit cotillion sounds like a short story about like a bu- like a terrible thing happening. Oh yeah! Like, oh, I could so see that. Like a mid-century story that you're like, oh, this sounds cute, but in reality, it's like really sad, and it has to do with like the decaying rot of the suburbs. Yes. Oh my God. I would read that in a heartbeat. Like a uh, Raymond, <laughs> like a Raymond Carver short story. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. All right. Uh, we got reason number three, and that is that this movie is very, very meta. Main character, like I said, is named Marty, like Martin McDonough. He's writing a screenplay called Seven Psychopaths. Uh, it doesn't involve any fourth wall breaking. Mm. Uh, but it definitely has a lot of lines that relate to the actual movie as it progresses, like during it. It's sort of calling itself out in little ways, mm. but it's not gross level meta. It gets close, but it's not gross. Okay, interesting. What what do you think? There gross? are maybe minor moments, like moments where it's so 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 meta that it's obviously trying to be clever and like seeing like look what we're doing. Oh, okay, winky. Winky. Yeah, it's not it's not winky. It gets close in very small moments and. I, I, I'm a sucker for meta, but I'm sensitive to people who feel like it's winky too sometimes. Yeah, it is, it's a fine line. It has to serve the story and not the filmmaker's ego. Yes, absolutely. And I would say, that's a great call. And I love that because this, in, in every, at every point during this, this is the opposite of serving his ego. This is calling out his ego mm. and calling out other, other people. Uh, which I'm about to get to in my next reason. <laughs> okay, great. I'm I'm with you so far. I haven't left the chat. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, so number four, reason number four, the main character in this movie, the screenwriter, is tired of movies about guys with guns and violence, uh, just like us. Oh, wow. I did not know that this is what this movie is about. I'm legitimately shocked. Yeah, I was very surprised, too, on the rewatch, because I hadn't seen it since 2012. And I went, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, this movie works towards being an argument against those types of movies. Uh, Here's the thing. It's also a movie featuring guys with guns and violence, but they're not shown as aspirational or intelligent or cool in any way. Hmm. Wow. That, you know, uh, trailers just really do a disservice to film in general. Oh, they really fucking do. It's so true. There's so many problems. As much as I know that I still get, my psyche still gets manipulated by them. Yeah, me too. It's because they're so well fucking made a lot of the times. It's just in the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah. The, the editing it's made to psychologically trigger something in you. So it's true. They were talking in interviews with him about the advertising for this movie, actually. And they were like, yeah, uh, there's a lot of like dancing dogs in it and like cute. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound familiar. Weird. Yeah, that's like, I mean, you know, there's so many movies, but like famously, you know, Jennifer's body bombed at the box office because Paramount, I think it's Paramount, decided to go with advertising it towards like sexualizing Megan Fox, who is already overtly over-sexualized at that point because of Transformers. Right, of course. Uh, And and aiming it as like a horror slasher for teen boys when it is like a feminist, like 
horror comedy satire about the way we sexualize, objectify, and consume women in our society. So then, like, oh, yeah, I'm seeing connections. Yeah, so then the people who it was advertised for went and hated it, and then the women who it was made for didn't go because they thought it was basically, you know, about like shitting on them, essentially, you know. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, really, uh, thinking about the reasons why I wanted people to see this almost reminded me of uh, when you guys were talking about Scorsese mm. and like how there are never those characters uh, who you who are like uh, look up to a bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and how that's like a misinformed idea of Scorsese's work that he's. Yeah, I could see someone watching this movie and also getting something like that from it. Yeah. Because it features a lot of the stuff that it that it's trying to call out as negative, but it's calling it out at the same time. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and my fifth reason is like very closely connected to that. It the, this movie features an insane gratuitous shootout, which is in itself a parody of gross intentional uh, insane gratuitous shootouts. Huh. Okay. I can dig it. Yeah. There's a there's a quote. Yeah, there's a there's a quote from a McDonough interview where it says it's showing the childish, stupid, sentimental na nature of violent men. Hmm. You know, I wonder if because he's a playwright and like I feel like the theater is a more quiet intellectual space and there's like a lot of resentment in the theater community around like, you know, film and cinema, especially the way they adapt adapt plays like. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like there's got to be if I like a male filmmaker said that I'd be like, oh, it feels like he's capitalizing on a moment. But there's something about him being a playwright that makes me feel like that's a genuine belief that he holds. Yeah, it's tough to tell with him. He seems like a real specific kind of person. He 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 says a lot like I don't really respect theater in the way I respect film. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's surprising. God. And like he's it's like he's done well in theater but he doesn't really care about it in that same way that he's like amazed by film and i'm like all right that's odd oh that is interesting well yeah i really wasn't expecting that ireland also you know with the ira is like such a history of upheaval and violence and right uh repression so i think there's probably an interesting connection there as well yeah, it seems like, especially, it seems like he wrote so many plays regard, like involving the IRA or IRA-related things, too, based on Wikipedia yesterday. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, so he's, yeah. That is something that's interesting yeah. him. Yeah, re-watching this made me want to see if he has any stuff online in terms of plays that I could just, like, watch. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's possible to, like, read a lot of plays online, but plays that have been... Oh, yeah, or like a tape performance or something, yeah. totally. Hmm. I've never looked up a play performance cool. before. Yeah, I, I don't think I have too, but I know that there that there are a bunch of them in various places. I know Fathom did a ton of those. And oh, right, I know that, yeah, uh, the movie events. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of the, like, Tyler Perry movies that were made into VHS tapes, which is, I think, how he made a lot of his money is selling those as VHSs or something like that. Yeah, a lot of his... Um, sure yeah, too. he did a lot of those in the 2000s, like, put them all out as um, rent. Yeah, I imagine those are probably online yeah. now. Oh, good call. Uh, cool. 
Here's reason number six, and I would say this is the one that's most likely to potentially lose you. Okay. <laughs> I love that you put it in anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got to be honest, got to be truthful, got to be real with this. Um, uh, it doesn't have many characters who are women, and the women in it are not really treated very well, either during it or in, the, in their pasts. Like, I would say almost all of them to all of them. I don't want to spoil anything, but... But also, I guess that's not a spoiler because that's kind of all women have something like that in their past anyway, because life is fucking terrible. Yeah, I don't really believe anybody who says that they haven't had a, a difficult, right. any, any, any run in with any type of abuse or manipulation. Uh, or it may just be them processing it differently yeah. or, or not willing, not willing to talk about it, that's things like that. That's typically my belief on that. Wait, wait, is it not having yeah. women in it was a reason to see it? What's the reason specifically? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, what I have written down next is this may not sound like a reason to see it, and it isn't. But, <laughs> but the writer is explicitly taken to task for it in the movie, and the film is using that as a way to call out male writers in Hollywood who do this in guys with guns movies. Mm. Like he is taken to task for it uh, by Christopher Walken's character, and it's great. Uh, I don't know if that's enough of a reason to do that in this. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's enough of a reason. But uh, his next movie very much did not suffer from that kind of issue. I'll right. say that. See, I would, I would love to see then like Christopher Walken's character be like a woman, like in the world that's not the yeah, world. Absolutely. Like, can we see more women? Like, I think there's ways to do that while also not being making your own story a victim to that. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is that's one of the few flaws that this movie suffers from is that it it does portray the things that it says it doesn't want to portray. It just does it as satire. But there are better ways of doing satire. Mm -hmm. I also think it's satire is very difficult and there's a, easily you can get lost in it. Yes, that is very, very, very it, true. It takes so much objectivity, and um, I think it's really difficult if you're a man to completely understand like the depths of representation and like the 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 harm that it's done beyond just like what the obviousness of it is. So, oh, 100%. I I mean i I appreciate the lip service to it, and without having to, I can't do I can't do further commentary on it. Um, I would say that if he hadn't followed it up with three billboards, I would take it as just lip service. But because mm -hmm. he was like writing strong female leads right after it, I'm like, okay, all right, he maybe redeemed himself. Do you remember how he did with that in in Bruges? I don't remember any women being in, in Bruges, but like in yeah. my head, it's just uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Like I don't remember any other characters. Yeah, same. So I imagine he's probably also calling himself out for that movie. Hmm, that could be interesting. Yeah, I really uh, I would want to watch it like in context and yeah, I would say so. I think that I think that that helped me understand it a little bit more now uh, compared to back then when it was 2012 and my dumb self probably wasn't even thinking of that. Sorry. I, that, <laughs> I mean, we're not taught to think critically about the things that we consume and unfortunately as a dude, you've had the even as an, you know, a thoughtful, <laughs> creative, sensitive guy, you've still had like been in the position of having everything catered to you to an extent, even if that's not right, the type of, of, you don't, you, you don't relate to a lot of that level of masculinity, but yeah, it's difficult. It does a head trip, I think on, on men to be like, Oh, we're the main character, not just of every story, but 
the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, um, like, uh, from 20, from 2010 to 2020, that decade involved so much learning for gut for men. And it was the type of learning that everyone else had already experienced in their life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I should say white men also, because yeah. black oh, men absolutely. are not seen as the heroes of uh, most stories either. Um, right. I think, sure. that's yeah. a, I think that's like a great collective learning that everybody is, that white people are doing right now, realizing that they're not the main character of the story in the world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would I would say that like um during during the sort of the the time where where everybody kind of I feel like the time where men started learning about the Me Too movement was was when they started kind of getting a, a better sense of uh women's like lenses of 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 life and I think a lot of people are uh experiencing that right now with uh, with black people. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. And I know watching men discover that with the Me Too movement was very frustrating to me. There was so much public outcry of like, oh, yeah. man, I had no idea or like, wow, we're the worst. And I just wanted to be like, can you process that publicly or privately instead of publicly? Because we oh, all God. know that already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, I am lucky that I was one of the people who was kind of uh, experiencing that heartbreak in a private way rather than being uh, super, super vocal about it, I think. I think there are positives and negatives of that, right? Yeah, I think the time to be vocal is when you are pulling somebody from behind you in front of you. And right. like that's the way to acknowledge it without saying like, wow, I just discovered this. You can just discover it privately and then to make up for that, look behind you and pull that yeah. person up. <laughs> There's like a lot of, I think it's, it's all just action instead of, um, and I think that's what you talk about, like the acknowledgement and the satire of this film. I appreciate the acknowledgement, but then the action would be having, figuring out a way to have a good, strong female character in your script, whether that's in like the, the main storyline, the non-meta part. Um, yeah. Or what? I haven't seen it, so I have a hard time giving commentary on it. But like, it's no, it's fine. like acknowledgement is is like half a step. It's not even step one. It's like sort of the the preamble, and then step one is like an action. Like, do something. Yeah. Show me that you've learned. <laughs> yeah, hundred oh, percent. Like, if he had paired the two, if he had been calling it out while, uh, if he had called it out in a way that felt like he was calling out his last movie, but not including it in this movie, it would be different. It's like mm. one like half steps versus full steps. So I'm glad, I'm glad that it changed in three billboards, but he could have done it better in this one very easily. Interesting. That is a big reason why I didn't see it was because I was just like, huh, a bunch of angry dudes. You say, no, thanks. I live in the world already. Yeah, exactly. There aren't really a lot of, there aren't a lot of characters in this where I'm like, I'm rooting for this character. I realized that too. I was like, oh, but it's not one of those movies where I, where I'm unhappy because of that. Mm -hmm. You know, most I very much am like, oh, I'm not rooting for me whenever it's everybody sucks. Well, then fuck this movie. But in this case, I don't think it bothered me quite as much. I don't know why. Not for why. Well, usually I find that if a movie is like funny enough and entertaining in a way that like uh, assholes can be very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that, that might have been it. And also the fact that they were calling it out was helpful. I think that made it a little more palatable for me.
Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, like, we all know Sam Rockwell as a dummy, like, character. We've seen that. (laughs) And he's like, that's him in this, you know? That's 100% him. It's like this charming idiot who's also not charming and an idiot and very funny. For sure. And, I mean, this is a guy who makes pretty masculine films and sometimes stories are not for women. Like, this could just, this could be a you know, this could be the kind of story that helps young teenage boys that watch this kind of material think about something they haven't thought about before. So yeah, could see that. Uh, not that I don't think that a woman could also still be in that story and further the topic along, but it is interesting when you can like kind of secretly slip a message into people or it could be like fight club where everybody misses the satire and just thinks it's about brutality. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I, I, I would hope that this movie carried people towards three billboards, like made them a little more mentally ready for it. That mm-hmm. type of person. Maybe. For I sure. don't know. I think huh. this was pretty underrated as far as like not a lot of people talk about this film. I feel like it's Very like true. in Bruges gets the most attention from this filmmaker. So. Oh, absolutely. I would be interesting to know like what, how this was taken when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I this one flew under the radar for a lot of people to me too. Like I feel like I also saw that and people were like, This one was fine or things like that. And I remember liking it a lot when it came out. Um and the reasons I would say the reasons that I really love this movie are uh my reason number seven to see this. Great, lay it uh, on me. Absolutely. That would be um Tom Waits's story, uh Zachariah, and uh the Quaker's story. Those are the two stories of those particular psychopaths. Those are the reasons that I love this movie the most. Uh, They're examples of the type of surprising and incredibly compelling stories that McDonough McDonough is capable of creating. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not going to even touch them because I don't want to ruin a thing for for them, but they are fucking like great on an emotional level and wonderful. Oh, okay. Awesome. Cool. Uh, all right. So those are my reasons. Um, okay. I, I feel intrigued. I definitely think that you gave a lot more substance to this film than I originally had given it credit for. I do like that. It's meta satire intrigues me. Um, I really like all of the actors who are in it. I feel as though I'm going to come down in a a cozy place on this one, which is I don't know if I am going to seek this movie out to watch of all the films that I'm trying to catch up on for the podcast, but I, I'm not against seeing it. I, I, I want to put it down as like a, I might see this. I think that makes total sense. That's sort of where I came down to when I finished watching it. I was like, should I do a different one? How do I feel about this? How would Luce feel about this? And I think that that's exactly, that that sounds exactly like what I thought. Does that make sense? So do we need to change the name of the podcast to you maybe could see this, but do what you want? Depends on the episode. I would say this is more of a you, the audience, need to see this rather than you, Luce, specifically need to see this. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like it's on Prime uh, right now, so you can watch it for free on Amazon. Or you could come see me at Video Tech and rent it from me there in South Pasadena. Hell yeah. Um, 
And I, yeah, I saw it on uh, YouTube, but not on, for free. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I saw it on YouTube for a rental. <laughs> okay, nice. So it's definitely available out there. Um, I do love Woody Harrelson, I got to say. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I love him less than you do. And if you love him, you'll love him a lot in this one. Oh, he I gets, love uh, him. He's one of my favorite uh, actors. Oh, great. Yeah, he gets so much screen time as the main gangster villain in this. Oh, I love his crazy eyes and his weird teeth. Yeah, he he was apparently what I read is that he was going to try to put in even weirder teeth for this. And oh. then they were like, that's too weird. <laughs> but <laughs> They're like those monster people. teeth from like Spirit Halloween. <laughs> oh, God, probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there were a lot of like, apparently this was a very fun set with a lot of uh, people who had been, you know, doing things together in the past. And mm-hmm. he brought a lot of weird shit to the role. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, more Woody Harrelson screen time. That was a reason you didn't even know that you needed. Uh, for, the, for the future, Woody Harrelson, the presence of which will drive me wild. Um, he's, oh, this this, is very good he's a celebrity that if I saw him, like a lot of people, I just get, you know, I'm like, eh, whatever, especially because we, you know, are around so many comedians. Um, yeah. But he is like one of the few that I think would make me weak in the knees. Like, I don't know if I could be myself around really? him. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I don't have a crush on him, but I just think he's phenomenal. I think he's such an interesting actor and he's like really kinetic and bizarre. And I think he's extraordinarily talented. And I love when he's in any movie. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's definitely good to know. Yeah. You know, he, he loves his dog a lot in this movie uh, and <laughs> that that soft spot, but is also like a real villain. <laughs> well, no animal deaths in this movie, right? You said the rabbit lives and the dog lives. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything either way, but I also don't want to, I have not found the need to warn anybody of anything. Okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) It's tough because at the very, 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 very end of the movie, there is stuff relating to that. Okay. Because it's a dog dog kidnapping related uh, story on some level, even though to me, that was never the main focus of this movie. I see. Interesting. You are. Uh, it is sound like a curious beast. Like it does sound like it might be like silly fun. Yeah, and it, it's such a strange narrative too because it's it really is about him writing this movie, but also really about this sort of dog kidnapping situation. And it's it, it's a very fragmented narrative. So it's like not about seven psychopaths, but in some way it is. And it's got like these little Tarantino-y touches like that. And mm. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a well-written movie because it's from Martin McDonough. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I give it a hard maybe and a, I don't know, we'll see with a smile. I love that. I think that's perfect. Uh, if you and the audience have seen Seven Psychopaths, please hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to let us know what you think of it. Make sure to follow us on there. Tell us what we need to see. Join the Facebook group and talk about some movies with us. Yeah, we want, <laughs> we love your suggestions. And um, we love when we get a different take on something. Like, even if it's something that we, you know, an episode that we're like, we love this new movie. I love hearing someone be like, here's why I don't love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> different perspectives are... Um, incredibly important in art and in life and uh while i think that we are very knowledgeable and thoughtful when we put this podcast together we don't know everything 
So we don't know anywhere near to everything. Let us know what we don't know. But you know, I I am a woman, so don't be a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Being a dick about stuff in general on the internet, fuck that shit. Not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, amazing. Well, Cozy, do you have a recommendation for something else that you saw or did this week? Oh, I do, and thank you for asking. My pleasure. Uh, Oh, my recommendation for this week is to, it stretches back to our, uh, one of our past episodes, actually, to the, the past episode that was done, that was recorded around the end of last year. Huh. Uh, okay. In which I told people to uh, write a to-do list for next year. Uh, <laughs> professional and practical and personal goals um, and break it up into months and all this wonderful things. Uh, my recommendation right now is to revise your end of year to-do list because the year is very different from what we thought it would be. <laughs> and I didn't think about this until last week when I went, holy shit, I need to go back to this list and none of this stuff makes sense anymore. So it's time to write a new list and get to it however I can and whatever I'm comfortable with. Make your list something that is uh, not pressure-based. Don't worry about it if you can't get to it, especially right now. But if you can, you know, it's nice to have some, uh, not goals, but things you could do. Yeah, uh, I like that a lot. I actually did that myself. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and a couple of mine were still good because I had goals about um, the podcast and other podcasts that I wanted to be on and other, like, scripts that I wanted to, to finish. And so... I did actually uh, accomplish some of my goals, but I had to revise everything that was related to in-person performing and anything related to travel. Yeah, same, same, same. Very much so. Uh, what was your? Um, what about you? Any recommendations for this episode? Yeah, so I'm going to recommend a 1971 movie that I might do on the podcast at some point, but um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not pressed. But I watched, I rewatched it this week at the video store, and I love it so much. It's um, called "Let's Scare Jessica to Death," and ah. it's a very underrated um, early '70s horror film that is starting to get a little bit of love now on the internet, but was really not available for a long time, and I think was only released on DVD like ten years ago. And before that, it just there wasn't a physical copy of. Um, mm. This movie belongs to one of my favorite genres, which is, is this woman being driven to madness by the cruel world, or is she really experiencing supernatural hallucinations? Oh, nice. Is the supernatural real, or is the cruelty of man real? And so it's like <laughs> uh, a very, very, very good. I had it on the store, and Nate Cordry from Children's Hospital was in and he i was like checking him out his his movies <laughs> i was checking his oh, movies yeah. out and he was like what's this and i got to have this long conversation with him about 70s horror and it was a treat um oh, so incredible. yeah it was really nice um so it's available on amazon and apple now and you can come rent it at uh video tech which is my perennial ongoing evergreen suggestion is that you support <laughs> any there are like at least a dozen video stores left in the world in the country in america so check it out see if you've got one by you la has three 
come support him. Yes, definitely do it. Oh, yeah, I forgot Nate Cordry was also in Children's Hospital. That's funny. Yeah, I was, and he's in the new, um, the new Perry Mason on HBO, which is like a dark, really, really dark um, murder thriller suspense show. Um, really, playing a oh, very, wow. a very different character than he usually plays. Oh, see, it's funny. I, I always forget about Nate Cordray. I always think about Rob, but I never think about Nate. But I, he like he has his own career. He's doing interesting shit. Yeah, I really like, I almost like Nate Cordry more. Well, because he has like a kind of a sweeter face. So he always plays like, yeah, Rob Cordry's always assholes. But like, yes. Nate is sort of like a little sweetie and things. So I was like really excited when he came in. But he's not, you know, he's not like a huge name. So when he left, I was like, oh my God, you guys, Nate Cordry. Uh-huh. So That's funny. so cool. And everyone was like, who? And I'm like, Nate Cordry? Rob Cordry's little brother, <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> nobody was meeting me there. Um, oh, I've had that experience, uh, but not to that level. <laughs> yeah, well, it's always like some, yeah, somebody small that like personally meant something to me and like nobody else. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like Adam Goldberg. I've had that happen all the time. Yes. Oh, I would be so psyched if I saw Adam Goldberg. He was the coolest. He was, it was great. You got to hold a door open for him. Oh, what a feeling. <laughs> Amazing. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I've heard of Let's Scare Jessica to Death. That sounds cool. Well, you have or you haven't? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I have heard of it. Yeah. It's it's a weird one. It's got a really, really fun score. Uh, very ethereal, kind of synthy, but like proto-synth oh. because it's like the early 70s. It's got a very jarring, good, scary score. Very cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, I think it's time for plugs. Oh, you got some plugs? Uh, my plug is I don't have a plug. I'm not really. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of <laughs> stuff kind of on my own right now. Um, sure. I'm just doing a lot of writing and prepping and seeing what comes next. So, yeah, just Good. keep listening to the podcast. Write us a review. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'm you gonna, yeah, I do. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to plug my, my, my very new ongoing uh, improv jam uh, from the pack. Um, we do it every Monday at 7 p.m. on the pack's Twitch channel, uh, pack.tv or switch or twitch.tv slash pack theater. Um, <laughs> I say that with all the confidence of a person who probably has to look that up right now. Um, it's really uh like what i do is i post a link on like we have a facebook thing uh and our our facebook is called the cyber jam because that's what the improv jam is and then on twitch is where yeah it's twitch.tv slash pack theater um that's where the actual jam is being shown but like don't watch the jam if you do improv come do the jam it's every seven every every monday at seven (laughs) awesome and it's been going well uh, yeah, it's been going really great so far. It's been super fun. I've done about two of them, and it's really nice to have a weekly improv thing because now my brain is getting into that mode more. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. It's so fun, and I extend it to every like improv, improv person who has no home right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for people missing it. Yeah, it people, people like who don't know where they could even do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I 
Love that you're doing that. Thank you for helping our comedy community in that way. Oh, someone's got all about it. It's so important. I feel so sad for all the creatives who are just like hanging out at home being like, oh, a a huge amount of what I usually do is just taken away and disappeared. Uh, I I feel bad for the community because the community has been kind of fractured a lot. It's been super fractured. It's crazy. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think our communities all over the country are really feeling that. And if you're an artist, I'm sure it's been a challenge for you as well, not just for everybody here in LA. So our hearts go out to you. We continue to care and support everybody, all of our listeners. We couldn't do it without you. Oh, we really couldn't. We really appreciate you all very, very much. We also appreciate our audio engineer, Pete Burns. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Uh, And uh, make sure, if you can, listeners out there, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review, subscribe to our thing so you hear this more often than just right now. And if if you write a review, we'll read that review on the air. Very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we actually have one. We have a new one. Oh, shit. Then I guess we're reading it, aren't we? Um, Yeah, here we go. This one is by the insidious Dr. Chan. Ooh, frightening. I love it. Turns out (laughs) I did need this. A little joy goes a long way in this world we're living in right now. Wow. Short and sweet. sweet. Oh, and we have have another one. We have two this week. What? Um, I love it. Thank you, people. Yeah, the other one is from Erica Curry. Um... And she says, I love this podcast. Funny hosts, cool movies, and lots of fun. That's so sweet. Also, thank you, Erica. Yeah, thank you, Erica. And thank you to the insidious Dr. Chan. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Cozy. I know I'm happy to have a, a friend in this dark world right now. Same. It's a good feeling. It's nice to be able to talk to people who get each other. It really is. <laughs> Aw. Well, thank you all so, so, so much for listening to... You need to see this. You need to see this. You're warned of the day When you'll be laid Beneath the cold clay Uh, My name is Zachariah Rigby. I left a message on Billy's telephone. An answer to the advertisement. For fuck's sake! Well, I'll tell you, Zachariah, if you sounded like a nut, I probably just deleted you. I don't think I sounded like a nut. Were you screaming about eating my heart off a tray and then shitting on it? Uh, No. No, I I wouldn't do that. Okay, you seem normal.